YouTube, and hit him with the countdown. Millionaire Podcast, Charles Oaks be top millionaire. And you guys are in for a good one. I'm gonna hit you with the intro though. here man we got a few people tuned in uh, make sure you guys share this out to your twitter share it out to your instagram followers anybody who could potentially be benefiting from this conversation um i was reading through the the description of himself that he gave me and it was really cool because he's in the michigan area specifically pontiac michigan he built a million dollar portfolio uh by anticipating that larger companies are going to be coming to the area which is interesting because we've been seeing that a lot in detroit and um, and I've kind of been a little bit off Detroit a little bit, literally just got off a phone with my contractor and I was telling him like, finish this house so I can be done. And he was like, hopefully we can move on to a next. I was like, I don't even know, man. I do not know if I want to do another one of these Detroit homes for several reasons, uh, but you've been doing it successfully, built a massive portfolio. And we're going to talk about it, man. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from? So my name is uh, Darius Keller. I'm, I'm from Pontiac, Michigan. Um, I've been this. I've been staying in Michigan for my entire life. Um, I probably lived in Detroit for a little bit over a year uh, before I came back to Pontiac um, during my uh, college uh, timeline. Um, but that's a. Uh, you want to talk about the investing? Like, go straight into it. Uh, we'll get into that. But I think what's interesting is one thing that I learned about Michigan is once you get out of like detroit detroit a lot of michigan is very nice it's very green it's very suburban it's really a vibe man and the cost of living is very affordable um, i played at some really nice golf courses for like 50 60 bucks in california those same golf courses would be like 100 bucks plus and a, a large part of it is because you guys get all seasons you have a good amount of water out there um and so michigan really is doper than what people think i think michigan kind of gets the africa treatment where they only show the bad side of michigan and not the the amazing parts of michigan so i'm actually kind of big on michigan and uh it's just a truck been stressing me out man well you know uh, pontiac is a smaller city outside detroit it's about 35 minutes um we we're, we're a rising city uh i would say just within the last maybe three years ago we didn't we we didn't have uh, many of the big name companies um, like Amazon, a United Wholesale Mortgage, uh, Lease Constructions, another one. There's some other uh, companies that are, are targeting up the Pontiac area. Um, I think uh, before before that, we were known for uh, the Pontiac uh, Silverdome. Um, are you aware of that? 
not old. That played? used to be that's like the stadium where the uh, Detroit Lions used to play at. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. The Lions having a pretty okay season. Um, <laughs> when did you get into real estate? Yeah, so I uh, started in real estate back in 2014. Um, just, just struggling, you know, in college at the time. Well, just not feeling. Just uh, about to finish up my master's degree in 2014, and uh, still a janitor at the time. Uh, still in that uh, that grind, you know. And um, I was just looking for a home, you know. I was looking for a home, either rent, land contract, or uh, or mortgage a home. Um, the real estate market was real low at that time. Uh, homes were homes around this area were like 10 to 20 grand was a reasonable price to get a home. Uh, we were still suffering from the uh, 28. Uh, 2008 recession. And uh, so basically when I say we, it's me and my wife, we were, uh, we were hunting for a home. Um, <clears throat> during that time we were hunting for a home, uh, we did see opportunity to buy a, you know, fixer uppers. And that's what got us in the home that I'm in right now. Um, I'm still in this, the, the same home I bought in 2014, my first one, I'm still uh, living in it. So, and um, so your first house, how did you end up buying that house? Was it, uh, you went through a bunch of different options. What did you settle on? So I uh, settled on buying. So we saved up uh, cash. Um, homes were going fast though at that time, even though they were $10,000 and, and the market was really uh, disrupted at the time. Um, the, the homes were still like selling like within a day. So 10 grand wasn't even, was still a, a struggle to buy a home. I'm just trying to give you, I'm just trying to uh, illustrate the, uh, the picture. You know, uh, <clears throat> so when we bought the first uh, property, it was like there was no copper in it. Um, it was a you know a two story colonial, about twelve hundred square feet. Um, <clears throat> probably uh, it was it was it's probably in a, in a I would say a B minus neighborhood per se. Um, <clears throat> but we weren't buying it to like make money on it. we were just buying it to live live in it you know fix it up as we go that kind of thing i did i ended up buying a second property right after that one about a street and a half about two streets away um from the first one i bought i bought it for twenty five hundred dollars believe it or not it's uh it's, it's actually my it's actually my probably my my most valuable home out of the um portfolio really? um it's probably worth around two hundred twenty five thousand roughly um it's interesting as well because my, my wife's realtor, she sold the property next door to it. Um, the investor bought it for thirteen thousand about a year ago and sold it for uh, she sold it for one hundred and fifty thousand, ten bu- ten thousand above asking price. So yeah. you can imagine how the values have changed, you know, drastically, right? Um, that same property I also um, oh, it's it's sitting on a triple lot. I, I bought the lot in between that um, in between the houses for about two hundred and fifty bucks. So you could, you know, it's, it's like, it's crazy. It's like night and day between 2014 and, you know, these times now. Um, but again, I was buying it without the idea of uh, investing and making money. I didn't understand um, how to make, how to really make money in uh, real estate, the power of it. Yeah. So yeah. where are you guys living before you bought this house? Oh, so I was uh, renting a home. So I was living with her dad um, and he was renting a home from a relative of theirs. So we were all in the same house at the time. 
on the same house? Were you guys paying any rent, or you just living there? Yeah, we were paying about in back in twenty back in twenty thirteen ish around that time. We were paying about seven hundred fifty dollars in rent. Um, in twenty twelve, I remember I was renting out a house. It was just me and my wife at the time. Uh, we were renting out uh, for seven hundred twenty dollars a month. So that gives you an idea of the ballpark of you know when I explain that the uh, how the rent has changed. Yeah, yeah. So, so my first tenant was actually her 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 uh, parents. So they, after I remodeled the second home, the $2,500 home, I fully remodeled it and um, they moved in. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that was that's how I kind of like learned how to fix up the properties. It took me two properties to understand how to, uh, you know, repair drywall, do electrical, um, do plumbing, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. and, and so that, so let me try to give you a time frame. So in 2014, I bought the first property in 2015 I bought the second property right but in that in between that year of time there was a lot of learning that was um accumulated and and a lot of people I've also met along the way uh, one of the guys was an electrical engineer um he actually was a young guy bought a house across the street from me from my first house I offered him to uh if he wanted some water or anything because you know uh, their house didn't have any water it was a rehab and uh, if you need to use the restroom or anything like that just let me um let me know and um, um, look, I lucked out. He was like, he he pretty much knew how to do everything. So he took me under underneath his wing and taught me electrical. Um, once you know electrical, you know you understand the routing and stuff. Uh, you uh, it makes it a lot easier to grasp all the other trades. So that's kind of like how I was able why to do get you it. Say that? I'm I'm curious. Yeah. Why do you say that? Is why it because? Do I say yeah, are you talking when you're saying other trades, you're talking like HVAC plumbing. Well, well, once you know, once you know electrical, um, you know, plumbing is routing. You know, I mean, electrical is, is mostly routing, right? Like routing the wires, knowing where they're going. Once you learn that, I was able to learn the plumbing in a day because it's it's really just routing, you know. And now they make things so easy um, nowadays with the the quick connects, um, the shark bites, and stuff like that. You know, PVC is just, you know, practically just plastic and glue. Right. So um, that's that's why, I, you know, I mentioned that. Um, so that was between those two trades. Once you know electrical, you can your confidence is a lot higher. You can uh, you can troubleshoot your way through gas, you know, gas lines and connecting, you know, gas pipes and stuff like that. So. So you do all that stuff yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now I, I can build the, the house up from the I can build a house from the ground up. Just leave the frame there. Um, I've, I've done everything except like a uh, major sewer repair, put it that way, literally. So you've done, you've done drywall, you've done mudding, you've done all that stuff. Mudding, roofing. Um, I've done the second, the, my $2,500 house. It was, it cost $2,500 and believe me, it, uh, it, there was, you know, you pay what you get for, you know, you pay what you get, you know? So, um, I had to redo the whole entire house. Um, that's, and once I did that the second time, um, I knew what I was doing construction wise. So, mm -hmm. so when you were doing all this, did you make any mistakes? Yeah, yeah. Um, let me go ahead and share my biggest mistake. Absolutely. So my biggest mistake, you know, I own nine properties. Um, I've owned a total of 10 properties in from 2014 to now. Um, I purchased five properties um, in 20 in 2021. From, from the start of 2021 to the end of 2021, I purchased about five properties. Um, 
my biggest mistake was in 2015 was going to that house and repairing everything without using any debt. I had a paid off house, but it was not um, wise to do because the market changed. It took me two years to, to, from the day I purchased the house to the day I got done finishing remodeling the house. It took me two years to fully do everything. During that two years of time, the prices jumped. You know, when I was initially buying, prices were around 10,000 a property, a, a rehab property. And the rehab uh, pricing changed to like, uh, the acquisition cost changed from 10,000 to 50,000 in that two years of time, literally. It was like night and day. Now, what I should have done is, is I should have purchased the properties in 2014 exhausted all my money boarded the houses up don't do any repairs any remodeling on the price on the, on the properties and then when 2020 hit or 2021 hit then um unload some sell some properties and then rehab some properties as well as um leverage the properties and um i mean i, I probably would have you know who knows how many you know right so um that, that's honestly my, my my biggest mistake. And that's what I'm doing now is that I, I purchased, like in 2021, I purchased five properties and I, some of them are occupied and some of them are boarded up. So- Do you, you buy in the same area, like the Pontiac area? No, no, that's actually a really good question. Um, so what I did is uh, I took that philosophy, that theory, and I applied it to the Flint, to the Flint area. So- before I was purchasing properties in Pontiac, the price, the values have gotten so 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 high that it's it's I can't I'm losing the speed. I'm I'm, I'm purchasing one property a year versus purchasing two three properties a year, right? And so when I went to Flint, I bought a I bought one house just to try it out. That was when they said that uh that eviction ban. It was like back in uh 2020 times. It was like. It was, there was there was two announcements though. The second one is when I was like, okay, I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna give it a shot. So the first one, I went out there. I bought a remodel home for about thirty thirty five thousand. It was fully pretty much ready to go. Um, I put it on the market of rent. My wife put it on the market of rent. She's the one who uh, actually um, hand, handles all the, all the uh, sourcing for the rentals. And there was a big attraction. Um, so and I and I was able to you know research the incomes that of the applicants and stuff like that. Everything looked real good. So what I did is I bought three more in Flint at a you know back to back to back. Um, I went to the uh, Genesee County Land Bank auction, and I bought three. My friend bought like seven of them, and um, things have been very very good since then. So I so like I said, some of them are for rent, are already you know rented out, and some of them are uh, boarded up. Yeah. <clears throat> So a lot of people, when they hear areas like Flint, they start to kind of get like, oh, no, Flint, water crisis. And there's also like a big crime thing. They're like, I'm not buying there. What made you still want to move in? Right. So, you know, you, you, I look at Detroit and I look at I look at Flint and Pontiac. You know, those are the very you froze there. So I look at Detroit, Flint, and Pontiac as three good, you know, areas for um, starting, in, you know, investors to start in. They're very good uh, entry points. Pontiac's, in my opinion, and I've said this a lot on uh, bigger pockets, uh, but Pontiac has extreme high rents. 
um, compared to Detroit and Flint from the in, in, in the the what I'm looking at is I'm looking at the purchase price, the rehab costs, and then in third, you know, the amount of uh, the amount of rent you're paying, the amount of rent you're earning on the you know average. Let me give you an example. In Pontiac, you can purchase a $42,000 property right now today from a wholesaler. Um, people think you can't do it. You can definitely do it. And you can rent it out for fourteen to sixteen hundred dollars a month, with a very little rehab. And that same in that same property, it, it'll probably worth roughly a hundred grand. And I'm talking about a two bedroom property. And I'm talking about a property that that's very similar. That those that's very similar to a property that I have right now. Okay. In in Detroit, in Detroit, in my opinion, when you go to Detroit, the rehab is increased as far as the permitting as well. The permitting is different in Detroit than it is in Pontiac. Even though it's a Michigan city, it's different. It's actually uh, a lot more, um, let, me tell, let me tell it. They're more strict. Like for example, there's like, I think there's two electrical codes for Detroit single family houses. And there's only one electrical code for Pontiac single family housing, okay? Now, when you go to, when you look at Detroit and you look at Flint, Flint, the infrastructure is already there. It's already built. All the homes are not there. There's many homes that are condemned, but the but the uh, integrity of the homes are still very good. The rehab, meaning that the rehab is very minimal. Right. You go to Detroit, you still you, you turn to the left, you have 20,000 homes still got to be knocked down. It's it, it, it will cost me 40, 50,000 just to remotely get some of them homes close to livable, not including the, the amount of time, right? So where you got to look at time as well, where Flint, I'm paying a very small amount. Yes, I'm not making as much rent as in, in, in Detroit, but I can own a lot more real estate and do a lot and do, I can be way more effective in, in, in Flint than I could in Detroit. If you, if you used to take a hundred grand to Flint and hundred grand in Detroit, you can be way more effective in Flint. And it's, and it's actually a lot harder to, to be a, it's a lot harder to hunt for uh, tenants in Flint than it is Detroit. Hmm. So you got to be comfortable with that too, as far as hunting for tenants. So, you know, it, it has this pros and cons. Jobs out there. Probably less jobs in Flint than there are in Detroit. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it's still definitely. a commutable distance. It's not that far away. From Pontiac, it's about 42 miles. So it's a, you know, Hey, but the the rent money's so good. It's uh, I think it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. So, where are you now in terms of like entire portfolio? So right now we have nine nine properties. I live in one, so there are eight of them are, are um, uh, invest investment properties. Uh, six of them are occupied. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Five of them are occupied. Two of them are boarded up. And one of them, I'm actually um, evicting the tenant. I just bought one three months ago in Pontiac uh, for 50, I think it was like for 50 grand or so, like 52 grand or something like that in Pontiac. Um, again, I just bought it a few months ago. People think that you can't buy deals uh, anymore because the market's high. I'm still I'm still in front of you right now on the live camera telling you, you know, I'm buying houses for a third of the value. That hmm. same house for 50 grand that I bought, there's a house listed for sale for 225 one or two streets away. And my wife just uh, submitted an offer. They got rejected on one 
for that was listed for 170,000. That's actually pending right now. So about about uh, two streets away, the other side of it. So um, there's that just lets you know how much equity there is in um in the in the property that I just bought a few months ago. So you don't necessarily you know people think that you make money from the rent. Like yeah, rent money is good, but it doesn't really change the it doesn't change the um. I'm trying when I when I buy a property, I'm trying to change the entire landscape of what I'm doing. You know, so yes, yes, you yes, the rent money's good, but when I buy in, I'm I'm looking for instant equity. When I saw that there was a tenant occupied in, occupying the property, I knew right away that the property was somewhat in, in livable condition. And um <clears throat> And when I look at the comparables around, they're like, you know, $150,000 mark. That lets me know that, okay, I bought it for 50. You know, the bank could give me, loan me 75% of that value. Let's say if, let's say if it's worth a hundred grand, worst case scenario, I know I'm going to walk away with at least 75, my money plus half of what I, half of what I invested. You see where I'm going? So I'm going to walk yeah. away with 75,000. And, and that's, so, honestly, that's a great scenario for me. Um, what kind of banks are you working with to do something like this? Because I know in Michigan, a lot of times we presume that no banks will finance a property that you can get for 50 grand or less, but how are you still making that happen? Okay. So there was a lot of trial and error with the, um, with getting financing through banks. Um, the bank I go through now is a uh, prime lending. I use those guys uh, faithfully. Um, and the reason why is uh, this, the speed. Um, they're very fast, which is important. Um, they already have all my paperwork. You know, when you have nine houses, you got to go through all the paperwork. Um, plus you got to go through your job income. Um, all the rental income's got to be exposed. So it's, there's a lot of paperwork where, where prime lending, cause I'm able to, able to work, you know, go to them every time. It's, it's a, it's pretty much a phone call. Um, for, for also, so I use the, you know, the cash and refinance, uh, product loan product, but I also use the, uh, the credit cards as well. So, um, credit union, uh, vibe is who I go through for, uh, my credit cards. So their, their credit card product, I think it's a, it's pretty impressive because you can use, I think they loan up to like 35,000 in a credit card. So that allows me to have cash available on the sideline that it allows me to have cash available ready. So when a deal comes up, I can go and purchase it. I don't have to wait. I don't have to go through any bank, you know, any bank uh, applications or none of that. So I'm all, I'm always ready to buy a deal when it comes up. Cause that's, what's important. If a deal came up today, most people on live right now would not be ready to, um, to purchase that deal. But if a deal came up today, I'm ready to go within minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. So my wife already has, it's already, my wife already has the automatic emails to my, uh, from MLS to my email account. I get that email and I will, and I'm so confident in my area that I'll submit a, a blind offer. I won't even walk through it, you know, and, and, and I'm going to waive all the inspections. So, oh yeah, I've done that numerous wow. of times, numerous of times. Wow. So, um, how are you finding deals right now in this market? So 
to find a deal in a hard market like this, you got to find you got to find a problem. You got to find a problem because you're going to get you're going to get paid on the problems that you solve. Right. So let's use the, the house I bought just a few months ago. The problem was that the oh, the, the the current owner died. He died. He um, he died. There was a tenant living in there for 19 years. OK, the tenant. The tenant didn't want to get out. The tenant wanted it, wanted to be evicted. OK, <laughs> that was the scenario. Everybody who came and seen the house, the house is listed for like seventy five thousand. Everybody came and seen the house, wanted wanted to didn't want to evict the tenant. You know, so there's there's your problem, right? You got a, ten, a person, a, a tenant who's being a nuisance, um, doesn't want to leave. You know, um, <clears throat> so what I came in and did is I, I I offered you know something reasonable, which to them, which was you know twenty five grand less. You know, waive all inspections. I'll sign in the dotted line, and I'll work, and, and I'll allow, allow the tenant to live there for an extended period for free. And um, and that that's what that's what got the deal done. So, was the, was the tenant paying, or they weren't paying? This tenant, this tenant was not paying because the I think the the contract was lost because, like I said, the, the previous owner had passed away. I like it though because by you getting a discount, but then allowing them to live there for free, because well, you got essentially you got to imagine that you know the tenant's been there 19 years, so it's like um you know there is some um the the own the the new owners had some sympathy for you know, yeah you know right 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 but what I think about that is you kind of factored in the tenant living there for free. You're essentially getting rent. that discount is your rent. And then once the tenant leaves, now you're going to get your true value for the property. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. So you said to find a deal, you got to find a problem. And that's the gym. I like it. Um, what is something that you've experienced throughout this whole process that you didn't expect? It's a good question. I thought it was going to be easier. You know, I thought it was going to be a lot easier. Uh, I didn't think that. I didn't think it, I didn't think I was going to need as many properties to get to my financial goal, you know, which is, you know, to get like a, a I want a million in cash. And, and um, to do it in real estate, um, it's actually it's actually harder than what it appears. And I, I can uh, quantify that as well. For example, to get a million in cash, you know, if you if you flipped, if you if you bought five, if you did five flips and earned two hundred thousand in profit, that's a that's a million. That's a million dollars. Right now to do to do 10 flips and earn one hundred thousand in profit. That's also a million dollars to do 10 flips is, you know, as one not, not not being a team, not having, you know, a team of people surrounding supporting you is very is actually very difficult. You know, I think it might I think in this area, you know, so absolutely. Right. So um, that's probably the one thing that 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 I became more aware of how hard it is to to 
to reach um, some of them um, financial goals as getting like, like I said, a netting a million dollars from real estate. Now it's definitely possible you can do it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it through accumulating, um, you know, refinances, rents, um, my working income. Um, also, I do a little bit of stocks. So I'm going to do it through accumulating instead of like flipping because, you know, I don't I don't flip real estate. So. But you can also do a buy increase in the value. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is what you've been doing. And so the the wealth comes through patience, not through just like kind of pushing through and trying to forcing it. So you yeah. buy a bunch of properties at a good point and you're patient. And before you look before you know what you have that million dollars as opposed to, I got to, I got to flip, I got to work, I got to grind, I got to this, I got to that. You just got to kind of let the property and the tenants work for you because as they, the property is increasing in value, they're also paying off whatever debt's on there. And so like one of my favorite quotes is like, how do you get to a million dollars? Well, you buy a million dollars at the property and let the tenants pay off the property. And I thought that was like profound. I was like, wow, that makes too much sense. And while you're doing all that, you could also be hustling and grinding and flipping and dipping and all that stuff. But flipping is hard work, man. A lot of people do think that flipping, a lot of people think that real estate in general is, is easy. And what I found is it really is a grind. There's really not too much passive about it. I mean, even dealing with tenants, like it's going to be a lot of stress just getting that person out. Because what happens if after a year they're like, nah, I decided I don't want to leave. So it's like you've been banking on them leaving for a year and then they decide they don't want to leave. And now it's like, what are we going to do now? Another way to look at it as well is, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in the 2% rule. And um, if I if if I get a million dollars in debt, I can ha I can earn 20,000 a month. You know, so that's another way to look at it as well. You know, OK, can I can I borrow? Can I borrow a million? Um, I'm about 600,000 in debt right now. And I'm in so 400,000 to borrow 400,000 more is it's really not that far when you have as many properties as I do. So why do you why do you say that? Oh, because um, some I got I got let's see, I got about five properties that have no debt on them. So you know, it, it's a matter of me picking up the phone and, and, and doing a cash or refinance for many of the properties. Mm -hmm. um, how I'm able to how I'm able to like to get qualified for that that amount of debt. Um, is, 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 like I said, I also, I have the rent money, but I also, um, my working income, I'm an engineer, um, during the day. So, you know, I went to college, went to school and stuff and, um, I earned a job, um, in the automotive uh, industry working as an automotive engineer. That's dope. That's dope. So I think what's cool is again, we're talking about the properties really doing the work. So yeah, you're coming alongside of it, but I mean, you go to somebody with some free and clear properties that are producing cash flow, they're gonna give you the bread, man. Yeah, they're gonna give you the money because you're gonna be able to service that loan either with your working income or the rental income, and then they still have something to attach that loan to, which is your property. And so the moral of this whole conversation is let the property do the work. Yeah. And and be patient. Let the property do the work and be patient. Um, what's the advice that you would give to people who are looking to invest in the Michigan market? For experienced investors, value the speed versus the money. Um, I've seen, I've seen for, for, like I said, for experienced investors, I've seen people 
put all their eggs in one basket on one property and that one property really uh hurt them and 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 i'm talking about to the point where they've lost a lot even though they maybe made 30 grand 20 grand it's the, the amount of time that was put into that property you could have done maybe two two or three smaller properties and it may triple that, you know? So like I said, to experience uh, investors, I would look at um, speed as the biggest thing. So maybe go for, you know, if you got to go to go and you um, invest in a cheaper home, you know, I, I would do that for, uh, for a starter and starting investor, non-experienced investor, my, my, um, my best advice is to, is to learn, learn. And the way you do that is you go by the ugliest, the worst property you can find. And if, if it costs you, you know, a thousand dollars, that's the one, that's the one you're going to learn, you know, get all your learning from once you um, fix up that entire property and go through the process slowly. Um, then, you know, then you should be okay. But that's, that makes a lot that's of sense. yeah, that's, that's honestly what makes me uh, a lot different than everybody is I actually understand what I'm doing, you know, so, you know, you know, you can cover a lot more ground uh, using your head than you actually using your actual, you know, hands. Hmm. That's so true, especially because you've done the work yourself. And so there's little intricacies. Like I was working on, I'm working on a flip right now and somebody was mentioning like corner beads. And I was like, what is a corner bead? I never heard of a corner bead. Now I know what a corner bead is now, but when I bought the house, I had no idea what a corner bead was. <laughs> And so like there's little things like even just the different gauge of like electrical wire and what different wires are for and all that stuff. Because if you just buy a house and you have cash and you have no knowledge, you'll be finessed. They're going to tell you everything in the world and F stuff up. And they, and I think one of the ways that you should protect yourself is by having an inspection. But I mean, it's it's when you're talking about how you had that property that took you a lot of time and you're talking about the property that you you bought we had to do everything on i've done a few of those i've done a house the very first house that we did was like not the very first but one of the homes we bought from the land bank thousand dollars and we did everything like everything you could ever think of and i learned so much from that process but then i walked into a flip and it was a much larger house and you're talking about how buy smaller homes move faster like man this thing is three stories with a basement like i'm struggling everything costs money Everything costs a lot of money because it's such a big house. I mean, all together, it's probably about like 3,000 square feet, if not more, including the basement. It's probably 4,000 square feet that you're working with. And so all that factors into a rehab. And if I knew that, I was like, you know what? I could have bought me a little bungalow joint, 1,000 square feet, been in and out. Kitchen, bathroom, floor, and easy stuff. And this, I'm doing everything. Granted, I'm learning a lot, and it is taking a long time, but I'm learning that like going forward, how to do that flip even better so i know a lot of different things i didn't know from the beginning so it is a learning process like you were saying yeah 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 I, <clears throat> how long have you been investing in real estate man it probably it's probably like since 2018 2017 2018 okay and so we have about i would say about 10 doors in detroit approximately okay. um and they've just been stressing me out uh, at first it was really, really good. And then tenants stopped paying. And then, uh, Detroit changed the laws on all these different, like, they want you to be like registered as a rental property owner now. And they have all these different requirements for you to do that. Like multiple steps you got to do and let abatements and inspections and all that. And I've just been kind of like tapped out on it, honestly. Um, 
because like like you said the rental income isn't that great the rental income in my opinion is like a drop in the bucket um and then the way tenants do a lot of things especially when you're out of state like me is they will create issues that aren't issues and so i'm dealing with a lot of repairs and a lot of maintenance and a lot of late night phone calls and a lot of late rent stuff and so i'm like you know what i'm just better off stick sticking with digital products and staying in that lane because that never so, failed me so let's let's quantify that right so when somebody says something always i'll always like say okay let's quantify it so that means when we quantify something we can under that means we can understand it you know that's what we do in engineering so you're you you said and i said it as well that the the rent money is not that great and the reason why we're saying is because the rehab right so mm, let me give you an example rehab and repairs rehab and repairs ongoing repairs so we we fixed homes like for example we fixed a home burned out property bottom to top great looking house compared to what we bought it in tenant moved in still made issues still had complaints still was finding stuff that was wrong with the property and so we're constantly running back trying to fix things granted we took the property from zero to 95 percent and i was like this is crazy and then the tenant was like well, we're not paying rent anymore because this isn't fixed granted i just spent five thousand dollars to dig up the sewer in the back of the house after already spending thirty thousand dollars on the inside of the house for repairs and it's never ending and granted they're keeping somebody in the basement where you're not supposed to have somebody living in the basement and so it was like all these issues and it's like this is ridiculous i'm actually taking a loss right now so so when, when i when, when i buy a property i always buy it cash you know that's how that's another reason why i'm able to I have the uh, ability to waive all the uh, uh, inspections, appraisals, all that. Okay, and that's how I'm able to get it. The property so cheap. When I have to go, bef before I move a tenant in, like you say, you go through, you go, you go from zero to ninety-five percent. You 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 repair the pretty much the whole property, and then the tenant moves in. I think that was that how you're illustrating it. Okay, pretty much. So one of my properties needed a fifteen thousand dollar roof. Um, so fifteen thousand. You know, when I'm only I'm probably netting about 500 to 600 on the property, that sucks. You know, that's you know, that that doesn't call that doesn't cover the roof, the roof in that short period of time. But when but when I'm able to buy the property for thirty five thousand and that property's worth one hundred and fifty thousand. Now that's we're talking. That's that, right. that's exactly I could replace that roof 10 times. You see where I'm going? And that's and that's why, like what i've in my opinion the way i interpret things is rental income really is to maintain the asset and a lot of us are taught cash flow cash flow cash flow cash flow and so you're expecting to get the rental income live off the rental income and be gravy and then when tenants call you're like you're taking money out of my pocket rent tenant and so if you take it from that perspective where okay let me fix this with your money not my money anymore your money and then by doing so, increasing the value of that home, which then increases the upside of that home, it makes it make sense. Right, right. Like, no, that's that's a that's a well explained. Like, I have about five or six mortgages. Let's say, let's say in fifteen years, those all five or six of those mortgages are paid off. Right. Let's say in fifteen years, I'm able to pull out one hundred and fifty grand out of out of all six mortgages right so that's what is that three six nine that's nine hundred thousand dollars you see where i'm going 
So, so yeah, you, you know, so you got to think when you come in, you buy it low, you get the refinance, you get a lump sum there. You get this little, this little, you know, these little increments of money each month. Then later down the road, you come back, you pull all the equity out again. And now you can go do something. You have a bigger opportunity to do something even better, you know? And sometimes, you know, the opportunities, opportunities worth more than the money is, you know, I mean, $900,000, you can do a lot. You know, we're just talking about five properties. I have nine, you know, $900,000. You can do a lot with $900,000. I mean, you can go, you can do a lot of investing, you know? So um, that's, that's another way to look at it, you know, through opportunity. It sounds sounds like it's about perspective. Right. And realizing what you're looking at and realizing that you're playing a different game than that tenant might be paying. They're paying, they're playing a month to month game. They're paying a, I got to pay you 700 bucks, 800 bucks, 900 bucks this month. Let me figure out a way to offset that. If it's a repair complaint, if it's a whatever complaint, if it's somebody sick, out of work, whatever that might be. And you're saying, okay, tenant, I'll let you win the the battle because I'm playing the war. And so we're going to ride this thing out and I might not be making all this much money in the, in the meantime, but I know long game, it's going to work out. And so when you look at it that way, it makes 100% sense. It makes 100% sense. Yeah. If you think about it too, like when you're renting out the property, your, your income is, is growing. Your potential to borrow money is getting higher, right? Um, I can borrow, a lot more money now than what I than than what I was able to borrow from when I started. When I started, I couldn't even get a cell phone in my name. I had I had a good credit score, but I didn't have like I didn't have no um history of credit. You know, it was it was hard back in t- 2014 to, to get money to borrow money from the banks. I mean, now they you know it's, it's a phone call, like I said. So um, and that's just because of the history um, I have with the lenders and stuff. That makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, There's only so much a nine to five is going to be able to do do for you, you know? (laughs) 100%. Let the property do the work. Where do you see yourself in the future? Five years from now, where are we at? Um, To be honest with you, you know, I don't really like real estate. I don't like it. I do it because of the money, you know? Um, I need to find something that's a lot easier five years from now, you know, so I'm 33 now. In five years, it'll be almost 40. So I'll be walking out. The, I'll be walking out of a working. So before I'm 40, so that's that's the goal is to be done to be able to drop everything and just do you know work out, hang out after 40. So I like it. I like it. Um, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned throughout this whole process? <clears throat> I will say networking. I will say networking is is is, is my the lesson learned. Um, I'm so used to doing things my own myself. You know, when you're when you're in like an individual sport like I'm in, like powerlifting, you don't really need help to 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 become a, a great powerlifter. Um, but with the real estate, you need you need help from the banks. You need you know the the, the lady the the lady um on the on the phone filling out the application for you. You need to have a good uh, a good a good relationship with her. Um, you know, your wife, you got to have a good relationship with her because she's the realtor. Um, uh, some of the people who I do uh, work with, um, like like on my, on my second house, uh, one of the per- people I know just dropped over supplies for me, you know, 
just because we uh, had a had a good relationship. So I would say the networking and the relationships are the most important thing with the real estate. Yeah, that help you. That help you go a long way. What was your most successful deal? So my my most successful deal was my third property. I bought it for 35 grand. It's probably worth about 150,000. Um I've only put about maybe 15 grand at, at best into it. And the reason why it's my most successful deal is that's because it took me three properties to understand how the refinance process work. Um, I bought that property in 2017 to give you a perspective on on the um, on the, like when I bought it and stuff in the value point. But without the refinancing, there's no way I would have owned what I own today without me going and understanding, okay, I got to buy this cash. I got to negotiate as hard as I can on the front end with my realtor, right? There's no way, there's no way I could own as much real estate. There's, you know, you understand what I'm trying to say? Cause I've only been, I've only been working since 2015, like at my regular job. So mathematically, if you think about the income when I'm working to now, it's just, the money has to come from somewhere, either selling or refinancing, you know, in, in, in my situation. So it came from refinancing me, understand buying that third property, understanding how a cash or refinance works, knowing that no matter if I put granite countertops in this property, it won't increase the value, you know, drastically how many people think it's going to change the, the, the value um, of the property. But like I said, you know, buying in low and, and um, buying in with the equity that was that's that's yeah. uh that's why that third property was my uh my best property out of, out of all of them my best deal it kind of sounds like you've been learning as you go yeah safely safely <laughs> yeah. you, you got to keep everything safe because uh you know it, it you know it takes one mistake to you know to uh to lose everything as well it doesn't take much so how are you able to manage everything that you have so far, like that's in a, terms of the rehabs and tenants and all that stuff? That's a great question. Um, so apartments.com is what I use to maintain uh, uh, the water bill payments, uh, rent collections, um, to, uh, to track everything. I do that through apartments.com. The maintenance thing, I use a just email system um, and, 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 you know, my wife also helps manage because some of my tenants uh, don't speak any any English. So, uh, you know, I can't speak Spanish. So she handles that portion of it. Um, but for the most part, I don't have a lot of rehab uh, re repairs to make on properties. Knock on wood. <laughs> um, I don't get calls like that all the time. Like, if anything, I have to call them and say, hey, I need to come through the property to walk through to make sure everything is good. So and when I walk through, it's not to see what you're doing and all like that. It's really just to make sure that. There's no water leaks. Uh, the furnace is, is working properly. Um, air filters changed, um, that kind of thing. If something happens outside, typically the city will let me know so I can go online that way. Hmm. So it's, it's it's very manageable from um, it's, it's very manageable with just one person. Yeah. 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 Man, I'm kind of out of questions. 
But I'm curious because <laughs> you did mention that you're a power lifter. Um, and I'm always, I always believe that like athletes have an advantage in business. Um, yeah. How do you I, I feel guess. that you're, yeah. So like when I, when I tell the guys all, all the time, when I go in the gym, um, and you see that, like, if you see like uh, somebody come in by themselves late at night and they're, and they're working out hard, it says a lot about their uh, character. You know, um, it takes a lot of discipline to, to go to work all day still have enough energy to come in at night and get it done, you know? And those are the people you want to be around in the gym because they're probably do they're probably successful somewhere else, you know? So um, I try to use that. I try to use my time in the gym to, to talk to successful people. And that's where I ran into um, a lot of the good friends I have today that are uh, doing very well financially. Um, they're in the gym, they're disciplined and they're working hard. They're, like I said, they're probably working, they're probably doing something very well outside. So I think there's something also about challenging yourself and then pushing through it. Um, because and, and when you're when you're exercising, when you're putting up weight in order to get to the next level, you got to challenge yourself. You got to push through pain. You got to push through your mind. Your mind has to get out of the way. You got to deal with the fatigue. You got to uh, feel all these different things and do it anyway. And I think a lot of times in business or in entrepreneurship is people can say, you know what, that's the result I want but I'm not willing to do the stuff that I need to get there. But people who are athletes, they have to do the stuff. It's not just like wishing and hoping and wanting. They know that there's a, a process between the desire and their current situation. And I think athletes understand that, especially people who are in the gym every day understand that. I think it translates to business. Yeah, you just, um, not being afraid, you know, that's a, um, big biggest thing. I mean, there's some people that are afraid just to get on this live uh, cam. You know, I mean, it. Uh, like for example, I'm trying to get to a 500 pound bench very soon, and um, you got to be willing. When I mean afraid, it's not being afraid to get underneath the bar, but injury. Right, my ability to. I'm very prone to injury benching uh, 450 every time I go in, go into the gym. Right, um, but the only way I'm going to get there is by exposing myself and by putting myself at risk. It's just mm. like uh, every time you take out a cash or refinance loan, you know, you're going to put yourself at risk of not, there's a chance, there's a small percentage chance that you're not going to be able to pay that loan, no matter what, how much verification the bank does. Right. But you gotta, but I need, I have to put myself at risk and I have to borrow this loan to go and acquire these properties. You know, that's just how it goes, you know, to get to the next level, you got to expose yourself. So um, it, it, it goes hand in hand. And once you understand that, you know, not you, but, you know, talking in general, once, so, you know, when that person understands that, then, you know, the rest is uh, behind you. So that's far. I'm going to hit you with the wrap up questions. First one is what's your favorite business or investing book? I would say my best, my favorite investing book is uh, real estate wise is in um, Millionaire Real Estate Investor by uh, Keller's William. Um, they have the audio version. I've heard it two or three times in the car to, on the way to work. Uh, it's it's a good book because it gives you safe fundamentals. Um, it doesn't really talk about like loans. It doesn't go into detail about loans and stuff like that, but it gives you the safe fundamentals of understanding the asset. 
So I, I think that's a good book to start off with. I gave that to a, I, I had a few friends read that book. Um, they started to invest in real estate. They liked it. And then the second book um, was the 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. I, I love that book. And the reason why is because it teaches you to go further. You know, it gives you that, it gives you the drive to go, to go above and beyond, you know? Um, some people, you know, they make a million dollars and they stop there. Some people, they make enough money and they, they, you know, take a step back. Um, that book really teaches you to, to keep going, you know, and look, and look for more. So. Yeah. Very true. What's your favorite podcast? Todd. <laughs> um, you got it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my, I would say the bigger pockets of podcast personally, I, I'm, I dig into that a lot. Um, to, and, and it's really, there's a lot of smart people that answer most of the questions that I don't even think about, um, right on that, uh, right on that bigger pockets, uh, platform. So that, that's my, that's my favorite in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? The con oh, let's see. <clears throat> say that. Say the second part of the question again, please. Say what again. sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? I would say understanding um, under you have to understand the problem. You know, if you can understand the problem and, and identify a way to, to solve it and believe in that. I think that is really the, sep the separation there. A lot of people just don't understand the problem and then they the, something something bad happens. They don't even they deter from it they don't take time to understand exactly what's going on you know because the easy the easy way for many for many people's problems is just to simply walk away you know like like for example let's let's just use this i don't want to go to flint because the water crisis well do you understand the water crisis right do you understand what's going on out there the reason why i don't have my rent out there is 975 for a house i paid 28 grand for and yes, they. It, I'm not talking about for one month. I have tenants that are on three-year contracts in Flint, okay? And um, in, in these homes, I mean, they're in great condition. Um, they, I thought about going to Flint, man. They, I really did. I was like, I need to go it, check out Flint. The, it, it cracks me up. Yeah, I, I, I get a lot of the Flint questions. And the difference between a tenant in Flint versus a tenant in Pontiac is that the tenant in Pontiac wants to buy your house. The tenant in Flint does not want to buy your house. They just want to be a tenant, you know? So I always have to tell tenants, no, I'm not selling the house to you, you know? Where in Flint, they just, they they only want to, you know, rent the house out to you forever. So, uh, um, it, I would say Detroit's the same way. They want to buy your house. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, it's, it's really just understanding the problem. So, um, like, like I said, with the, the, with the water, with the water crisis, um, I found out by doing my own research that when you go out there, I think it was homes that are built after 1950, 
you didn't have to worry. They have a whole like uh, they have a whole lead based map that you can uh, that you can uh, research where they already like certified most of the, the lines and stuff like that. So if you you can you can refer to that map for the um, certified homes that don't have lead. But many of most of the old homes, like 1929, those have lead based pipes. So your those homes are are out of the question. But the newer homes, you you're, you should be good to go. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Man, uh, what does wealth mean to you? Power. You know, you don't have to, to answer your question, you don't have to make um, millions of dollars to be as powerful as somebody who's already, who's already a millionaire. You can make a half million dollars a year and be way more powerful than that person, you know? And I think that's the key with real estate. Real estate gives me a lot of power. Like, I'm able to house uh, family members, for, you know, I'm able to provide housing for some of my family members for, you know, a third of what they would pay on the regular market. You know, that's power. You know what I'm trying to say? And and when I'm and I'm, I'm not. And when I'm able to do that by not. Um, um, I'm able to do that by not like by not hurting myself, you know, financially. So. Um, that's that's what I would consider, you know, being able to pick up the phone and and you know because I house I provide housing to roofers and, and construction workers, being able to pick up the phone and, and ask for someone to to install a roof, of for half the price. That's power. So, mm. uh, that's what wealth means to me, you know. Because you know, you know, think about it. You know, you have, <clears throat> you know, most people don't understand the difference of Warren Buffett's wealth versus uh. Grant Cardone's wealth, right? But Grant Cardone owns everything in Florida. <laughs> you see where I'm going? So, you know, you ask yourself who's more powerful. So just just as an example. Yeah. Yeah. Man, great conversation. Um, dope mindset. Uh, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? And where can they support anything that you have going on? I would say you can go to uh, Darius underscore one of one. Um, you can also please uh, follow my wife's uh, Instagram. Um, so Darius underscore one of one is my Instagram and my wife's Instagram is a home at homes with star. So homes with star, uh, follow her on there. Um, if you have any real estate questions, either one of us uh, can provide answers to if you need, you're looking for a home in the Michigan area. Um, my wife would be glad to help you. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where you can contact me at. Nope. I appreciate, I appreciate the call and your time today. It's, you know, it's great. Thank you. We made it work, man. We made it work. Um, Matic12 said another good one. So shout out to this brother. Uh, thank you for tuning in. He was there in the beginning and he stayed to the end. I know you guys got a lot of really good value out of this. So make sure you guys follow him and his wife. Make sure you guys click subscribe, share the channel, click like on the video because we're trying to blow this podcast up um, on a new platform. We've already done really well uh outside of other platform stream but i'm trying to take it to youtube so that's why we're doing this on Streamyard, so we can broadcast it directly onto youtube instead of with zoom where you got to download it and upload it and reload it and side loaded we just want to do it straight to the source so great conversation man we'll definitely be linking up um i'll hit you up if i'm out in michigan again i need to be out there and once the weather gets a little bit more normal um, and they can fly planes in there. I'm gonna be back into Detroit so I can finish this home and so I can move on to the next one. And it might be in Flint. I don't know. We'll see. 
Next but, time you uh, come to Michigan, we can uh, take a drive around the uh, Pontiac area, and I can, uh, yeah, let's do it. Stuff. Yeah, definitely. that'd be cool. All right, y'all. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next one. All right. I should have done my.